This week on a lively experiment as we turn the page to another year and decade, a look back and a look ahead. A lively experiment is generously underwritten by. For more than 30 years, a lively experiment has provided insight and analysis of important political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm John Hazen White Jr., and I'm proud to support this great program in Rhode Island PBS. Joining us to break it all down, our all-star panel. Ian Donis, political reporter for The Public's Radio. Brown University political science professor Wendy Schiller. URI political science professor Maureen Moakley. And Dave Lehman, corporate communications consultant and former television news anchor. Welcome everyone to our last program for 2019. We say it every year about this time, where did the last 12 months go? This week we get to talk about the last year, the highs and the lows both locally and nationally, and have our panel of political prognosticators try to predict what we might see in the next 12 months. So folks, this is not your first rodeo. Mr. Lehman, let's begin with you. What was your top local story for this year? Uh, my top local story was the, uh, the takeover of the Providence school system. And that's probably gonna be echoed throughout this, this panel because it's been such a big story. It's an education story, it's a, it's a governmental story, it's a political story, it's a cultural story. Uh, you name it, it affects it affects the state, it's also an economic story. And uh, part of it, and I'll just mention a couple of reasons why I thought this was so big. I'm quoting a couple of points here from the Johns Hopkins University report on the school system. They said the system is deemed one of the worst in the country. Crumbling infrastructure, low test, doors, test scores, healthy and health and safety issues. Parents feel shut out of their kids' education. Many students can't read, period. Students say they've had 11 teachers in one year in one of their courses. Chronic teacher and student act, uh, absenteeism, uh, just horrible. And 98% of the teachers are white, but 91% of the students are students of color. Uh, and you know the funny thing is, this was true in 1993 when another report came yeah, that's out. That's true. Maureen, what do you have for a top one? That was story? mine. So yeah. I'll just you want add to elaborate it. on that? I'll just elaborate on it. I think I agree with everything you said. And where we are now is I think there no more, there's no more kicking the can down the road. This has the capacity to be really transformative. I think the new commissioner has done an excellent job in beginning to set the groundwork. So I think that's very hopeful. I think the takeover was essential. She had to take over the system before she could start to rebuild. And they're starting on infrastructure improvements in the schools, and that's very important. But I do think she's got to get a supervisor in place because there's beginning to be some rumblings about, you know, she's, she's the commissioner of the whole state. So she's got to have right. someone to work under her, As particularly when she has to solve the tough problems of teacher contracts, of reform curriculum, consolidation, and those kinds of things. She's got to have those ducks in a row, but it is the biggest story, and it's really, I'm really optimistic about it. All right, Wendy, what do you have? Um, the top local story to me is Rhode Island's, I wouldn't even say resurgence, I would say Rhode Island's sustained growth and all over the state. 
So things are just, you know, uh, people, private developers are working with public officials, the states, the cities. So Newport's doing great. Jennifer Lawrence got married in Newport. Uh, Providence is doing well. The pedestrian bridge finally finished. You're looking at, you know, around the state, there are still places that are hurting, but things are seems to be stabilizing. And if not stabilizing, getting better. And I think that, you know, Gordon could have gone in two directions after the recession, and it's actually gone in the right direction. I think that's the top local story for 2019. Ian, what do you have? My top local story, Jim, was the renewed push to improve public education in Rhode Island and Providence. As Dave said, this has been identified as a need since the 90s. This part of the challenge is that improving the schools is a long-term project that does not coincide with election year schedules and gubernatorial terms, things like that. But it's a vital economic issue for the future of the state. Having quality schools is even more important than Rhode Island's tax climate when it comes to businesses locating here. So this will be very impactful for the future of the state. Yeah, and something we'll be keeping a track on in 2020. Let's go to top national story. Maureen, let's begin with you. All right, well, the top national story, obviously, is the impeachment. I mean, (laughs) and I expect some of my colleagues here are going to say the same thing. So it is a fundamentally historical time. And I'll just take one riff on that. Um, I think it's important to think about not only in terms of checking what's going on, as you said, in terms of the presidency, but one piece of that that I want to focus on or mention is the whole idea of our global standing. I mean, this has been a real problem. It was rooted in this, you know, the idea of trying to do something about the aid to Ukraine. But when you look at that part of the picture, I think the top local story related to impeachment is our declining esteem and our declining cooperation with uh, our global partners. And I think that has profound implications, and hopefully it will be rendered soon. Wendy, what do you have? Well, I I had Trump impeachment as well for the top national story. Uh, And I I think that, I mean, that's what, you never know um, when you're living in history that it's going to be living in history. You don't know that at the time. And I think just as the country went through the Clinton impeachment and it had reverb effects for 20, for 2000, for Al Gore, you know, distanced himself from Clinton and then ends up losing the election. People will make decisions based on impeachment. They'll craft campaigns around impeachment. So it doesn't just affect history in terms of our use of this censuring tool, but it, it will actually affect the 2020 elections in ways we probably won't be able to figure out right now. That's going to be interesting to see where we're going to be a year from now. Ian, what do you have? My top national story is President Trump's place at the center of the national national debate and how Americans are so almost equally divided about that and the direction of the country. Common ground is a very rare commodity these days. And we even see some of the chippiness over politics spilling into Rhode Island on issues that have nothing to do with President Trump, like the battle between IGT and Twin River. And people are sometimes on very tender feet at the state house because of the tenor of politics. And the tweets going back and forth, social media doesn't help. Dave, what do you have? Uh, impeachment was mine, but uh, a subset of that, which I think is in some ways is even more important than impeachment, is the political schism in this country, where you have uh, such hard tribalism going on at the highest levels. This really transcends Donald Trump. He may be in part the, the cause of it, but the fact that we don't have politicians who, like old politicians, disagreed but figured out a way to work through it. This is going to affect policy after policy in the United States 
if this schism continues to, to exist, and it probably will. There's just, there just no one willing to compromise. There's so much hate in politics now, it really undermines the national interest. Okay, we move to biggest winner, biggest loser. We'll combine those. It could be local, it could be national. Wendy, what do you have? Well, I actually have the biggest winner for me was the Rhode Island economy. You know, most recent numbers are job growth, you know, more than 1,000 and 3.5% unemployment. So we've caught up to the national average. Did you see that coming? Um, no, in fact, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I thought things were going to dip and I thought Rhode Island was going to hurt. And in fact, it's the opposite. Uh, biggest loser and the biggest winner at the same time. Pawtucket, you know, losing the Paw Sox was really devastating, losing the idea of the stadium. And Don Grubian has tried so hard as mayor of Pawtucket to do everything to save that city. And in fact, things are paying off. There's a new train station they broke ground for, and that's going to help. And it's also uh, becoming more interesting to developers as a bedroom community for Boston, particularly with the train. So I think actually some good things are coming Pawtucket's way. So transforming from losing a big thing to actually looking at other venues and possibly a new development for a soccer stadium, I think that makes Pawtucket both the biggest loser and the biggest winner. Locally. I think that's a great one. I yeah. think that the way you put that, I think that's terrific. Cool. Yeah. Last year, Pawtucket was my biggest loser. This year, it's my biggest winner for some of the reasons that Wendy said. There's this $400 million development proposal. It's still just a proposal at this, <laughs> this time, but it does offer a lot of hope for the future of Pawtucket and for the, the idea of Pawtucket becoming a more vital community. Shout out to Mayor Grebian. He has modeled some very adult behavior in keeping his head up and not getting down in the dumps while pursuing all this and while dealing with some tough things. My biggest loser is the pro-life cause in Rhode Island because, of course, Rhode Island has passed a law in 2019 protecting abortion rights through a state-based measure. Uh, both the pro-life and pro-choice causes were very active and very visible at the State House. But Speaker Mattiello and President Ruggiero, even though they personally voted against the abortion bill, they allowed the process to proceed. And they obviously made a political calculation that public support was on the side of strengthening abortion rights. Yeah, and that really played out over the session because remember the House passed it and then it was a little bit of a, and it was in doubt and then it went through in the Senate. Dave, what do you have? Uh, a little bit of the same thing, the, uh, the Rhode Island economy that we've already talked about. But in, very specifically, I've, I've cited the electric boat submarine contract. This is a $22 billion contract. Yeah. It affects thousands of workers in Rhode Island. This is, there are going to be nine subs. It's the largest contract ever offered or ever received in U.S. naval history. And they're going to be building nine, uh, uh, I think, Los Angeles-class submarines uh, here through 2029. This is an enormous floor for the economy, and it affects so many families and will spawn off many more things. $700 million additional development, infrastructure development wow. in North Kingstown. So that is a big deal, and it's really something that we have a lot to be is proud of. Is that as simple as Jack Reed lobbying down there for it? Uh, I, first of all, there ain't a whole lot of people who do subs, so we're in a good position. Right. And to your point, this does go back a few, a, you know, a couple of decades that the infrastructure was in place that allowed this. So, so we're piggybacking on that, but it's, it's a good thing and we got it. Okay. Maureen, biggest winner, biggest loser? Okay, I'm talking about people here now. The biggest national winner, I think, at the moment is Nancy Pelosi. I think she's handled this impeachment uh, really well. She's a good political leader. It's, a, it's astounding that she's able to keep her troops in line, given uh, the sort of raucous nature of the progressives. And I think she handled this very well so far. Uh, we talked about the fact I loved it when the uh, impeachment was announced, 
somebody in the audience, one of the uh, members, started to cheer, and she was like, mm -hmm. and they stopped. So I, I think she's a model for women, and I think it's great that she's a, a, a recognized leader, and, and I would say the biggest winner now. At the local level, I have a winner and a loser, all right? The winner are the hospital executive presidents because they make all this money. The loser, they are, because we, although they make all this money, they haven't seemed to be able to get together to do something to restructure the healthcare system in this state, which is vital. So there's that and that. And then I have one more loser, and I would say the other loser is Joe McNamara because I think his ham-handed handling of the Maura Walsh situation has enraged the progressives, and I think it's going to come back. It's going to be a very divisive session because of that. All right, folks, say ham-handed handling five times at home and <laughs> yeah. see if you, uh, that was really good, Maureen. All right, one of my favorite categories, only in Rhode Island moment, and Ian, you get to lead us off. Remember how $1 million was tucked in the state budget at a very late hour for a Cranston chiropractor Dr. Pedro. who practices an alternative form of medicine that has some supporters but is also viewed skeptically by a uh, number of people in the medical community. This became a big controversy after the media brought it to light. The story was broken by Steve Alquist. And uh, it, af Speaker Mattiello said he still supported Dr. Pedro and his practice, but he removed the money after it became controversial. I have one other Rodin, only in Rodan moment. Even though the IGT Twin River battle is far from solved, this has been a full employment project for <laughs> lobbyists, lawyers, communications professionals, and they are making out on this. Yeah, the lawyers always win. Dave, what do you have? Uh, a little-known story that is a Rhode, only in Rhode Island, but with a little taste of Massachusetts thrown in. A uh, Boston police officer, a rookie cop, came to Rhode Island for a weekend of frolic. He uh, arranged to have two strippers uh, party with him. They went back to his Pawtucket hotel room. Uh, for $2,500, allegedly, they had sex. He paid the money, of course. And then uh, they left, and he discovered that his police gun was, uh, was stolen out of his car by one of these women. Oops. The strippers uh, were later called, and uh, the police f knew who they were. And they found out that the uh, the cop was not only out $2,500, he was out of his pistol, but the pistol, the women had stuffed it into a, a mailbox at, at a Providence fire station. Uh, <coughs> he lost his job and $2,500. Wow. Okay. And a lot more than that. Uh, <laughs> Maureen, what do you have? My only Rhode Island state, uh, issue is the Christmas tree fandangos. Oh, again? But, no, no, but this is different. For 10 years, we keep talking. Every year a story comes up. It's a Christmas tree. No, it's a holiday tree. No, it's a Christmas tree. Oh, the, the, the leaves are falling down. Do we need it? Every year, and it's on the front page of the journal, they write editorials about it. Can we just say no more Christmas tree fandangos at the holiday time? And now they call it an artificial tree. Well, right, exactly, that's part of it. And I, I just wanted to say, in addition to that, that we were talking about this, only in Rhode Island, this is, at this time of year, we have to acknowledge a really great place to live. Yeah. Lifestyle, uh, everything about it. So we have problems, but uh, you need to mention that. Wendy, what do you have? 
I, I, uh, the IGT Twin River, I thought, oh, well, you know, it's still going. And then all of a sudden, boom, last week, you know, indictments pop up uh, concerning bribery and misuse of money by a pretty top-level Twin River person. So I thought, this is so ironic. You're bidding to run a contract on the lottery, mm -hmm. and you're a gambling institution, yet you are committing basically larceny, and you get indicted. So it can't help, I think, Twin River's cause. And I thought only in Rhode Island does that happen right up against the end of the year. Uh, and uh, I think that's just something you always think, well, that couldn't happen here, but it does. And the second thing is that you can never, um, I'm sorry, you can always discover a new fantastic bakery in Rhode Island, which just happened to me. Drove 25 minutes south, this great bakery, and lo and behold, it was a great bakery. And I thought, well, I thought I'd been to every great bakery in Rhode Island, but no, only in Rhode Island, there's always another one. Perfect. All right, this is the fun part because we have videotape on all of you. Let's go back to see what you predicted for 2019. Dave Lehman, we will begin with you. Oh, thank you. Prediction that uh, probably by mid-year, Hasbro is going to make a decision as to what they're going to do, uh, whether they're going to stay in Pawtucket, maybe go to Providence, or potentially go somewhere else. Uh, it's a real risky prediction. Uh, I just get the sense, though, that Hasbro is going to go on to do bigger and better, not better things, but different things that involve the entertainment industry. And my concern is they may not feel, if they're going to make a big move, they're going to do something big, maybe Massachusetts. They might even go to the other coast. I don't know. And that's, I'm not, I don't have any inside information. Pure hunch on my part. And I'll probably regret this a year from now. Dave, I think a lot of people thought that this decision was going to be made already. Yeah, I wasn't the only one who was thinking that. Uh, and there are a couple of reasons why it may not have happened. Uh, one of the reasons was they just bought a $4 billion entertainment company, which has been distracting. The tariffs have, have thrown a monkey wrench into their, their supply chain and their product sales. They're coming back from that now. But, uh, and there were a couple of other things I won't go into, but uh, somebody said to me who has inside knowledge said, uh, Dave, you were wrong on the timing, but you were probably right, ultimately, on the prediction. But it just didn't happen this year. All right. What do you have for 2020? Uh, 2020, my prediction for 2020 is that I think that we talked a little bit about the, uh, the hospital situation in Rhode Island where Carrie New England and uh, Lifespan can't quite get on the same page with a merger. I think necessity this year is going to be that there will be merger talks resuming, even though there have been some hard feelings as we end 2019. I think you're going to see merger talks continue. I won't go so far out on the limb to say <coughs> that there will be a merger by next year, but I think you're going to see it's in their best interest, I think, economically. As we sit here, Lifespan just recorded $35 million shortfall. Uh, that used to be the problem with Care New England. Mm -hmm. So they're going to have to work something out. I think this may be the year they will, and the governor is going to be in, in on this as well. Well, something's got to give definitely on that. All right, Maureen, we go to you. Let's take a look at your prediction from 2019. My prediction is that uh, the Trump presidency is unraveling, and it is possible that they could begin impeachment proceedings. And my twist on that is, as bad as it is, I hope not. Because I think this would be really destructive to the system in the sense that there are 50 million Twitter folks that he has. And if he gets removed from office, there's never going to be, the, the, the conspiracy things are never going to go away. He's got to be defeated by the voters. Maureen, I think everybody out there would like to know, do you play the lottery and what numbers do you play? <laughs> so we'll, we'll be following you. All right. 
Okay, so uh, my predictions for this coming year, and they're not, you know, they're not that prescient, but anyway, I think that as a result of this, there's going to be the most heated, nasty national campaign that you can imagine, and we're going to have to suffer through that with tremendous divisiveness, and I don't know how it's going to work out. And at the lo local level, I want to say, I think we also are going to have a really tough, divisive legislative session. I think progressives are you know, ready to challenge people. There are already a lot of other groups that are going to take on established and really effective legislators. And the other thing about this is I think the governor is going to be much more aggressive in terms of what she wants and how she's going to do it. There's one thing we have to keep in mind. She is not running again, and they are. And that gives her a certain amount of leverage. And she's also talked about the fact about, I think, for gun control. I think that's an issue she's going to step out on. And she may some, spend some money supporting candidates. So those, those are my two issues, uh, my two predictions. Well, we have it all on year. tape, and we will see next year. Right. Professor Schiller, let's see what you had to say last year. Roll the tape. I think 2019, the economy will dip. Uh, you know, it will dip in uh, different uh, uh, intensities across the country. Rhode Island, you know, may or may not have problems because of this. But I do think that when that happens, pensions in particular become a huge issue for Rhode Island again because we're invested and we have hedge fund investments. So I think that's going to create an, a unique financial crisis for Rhode Island that will um, require a lot of attention. So, Wendy, if it makes you feel any better, I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> I, I am with you. We were both wrong. And, you know, the interesting timing is going to be, how does this work going into the election nationally, obviously, the economy? And well, I think the good news is that the things that I thought were going to derail the economy, uh, President Trump's very erratic uh, trade policy, a lot of tariffs, not getting tariff deals. The stock market had had a really bad time at that point of time. And then the uh, um, dire warnings from the auto industry, things like that. So you thought, oh, well, this is all going to happen. But the tariff stuff is sort of smoothed out, and the impact of that has kind of been built into the economy. Um, car sales are back up, and the, and the stock market is doing pretty well. So we're happy that I'm wrong. I mean, I'm very happy that we're wrong, but I do think there are still some looming you know, danger signs. But for 2020, my prediction is that President Trump will flirt with the idea of replacing Mike Pence on the ticket, depending on how things look for him in some of these swing states, and either choose Nikki Haley, if he replaces Pence, Nikki Haley or Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows, the leader of the Freedom Caucus, former leader of the Freedom Caucus, who just announced he's not running for re-election in 2020 from the House. He's from North Carolina. Mm. North Carolina is an incredibly important swing state. And if Trump thinks he can't win North Carolina or concedes that he can't win North Carolina, or he looks like he's in trouble, I think he makes a change at the top of the VP ticket. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I won't put everybody on the spot to see who they think is going to be president, but we're all thinking that, right? All right, uh, batting cleanup, Mr. Donis, let's see what you had for 2019. Predictions are tough, but I have two predictions for you, Jim, for 2019. The Providence pension problem will continue to fester. Governor Raimondo has told me that she is not going to intercede in this issue, that it's really on the desk of Mayor Alorza to resolve. But the legislature has, no, has shown no interest in his idea of monetizing the Providence water supply. So there's no easy answer there. My other prediction involves Dominic Ruggiero. He's just won another two-year term as 
Senate president. I predict that this will be his last term as Senate president and that he will hand off the Senate presidency effectively to his majority leader, Michael McCaffrey of Warwick, although uh, Senate Majority Whip Mary Ellen Goodwin is also interested in that position. Right. We may have to come back two years from now to see whether right. that's the case. So that may still happen. Yeah, well, batting 500 is not bad. Uh, after that show ran, President Ruggiero gave me a little uh, friendly nudge and uh, <laughs> questioned my information. And he told me more recently that he does hope to run for another term as Senate president in 2021 if he wins re-election in 2020. So we'll see what happens with that. But I think McCaffrey could is still a... Uh, Waiting in the wings. Right, exactly. My prediction for 2020 beyond the budget and potentially the IGT Twin River issue, not much of substance is going to happen at the legislature. It is an election year. Progressives are energized, as Maureen said. And what my other predict prediction is that we're going to see more women lawmakers elected in 2020. Right now, women make up about a third of the General Assembly. I think you'll see those numbers tick up. How are the Republicans going to do? I think they still have a challenge on their hands. I mean, I credit Sue Sienke the GOP chair for saying she will focus on the legislature rather than the federal office. In a way that Don Kachiri never did. Right. I think that makes uh, sense, but it remains the caliber of their candidates remains to be seen. Okay. Our last category is people to watch in 2020. Maureen, let's begin with you. Okay. Well, my people to watch are Joe Shikarchi, all right, and I had Nikki Haley. I really think that if Trump senses he's in trouble at all, she is a brilliant choice. She's a woman. She's got foreign policy experience. Helps with I South Carolina, where Joe Biden's going to be strong if he exactly. gets it, right? So I really think that she's someone to watch. And the other one I think we should watch is Patrick Lynch. Um, he's got a lot of money. He's made a lot of money. Maybe he wants to do something else. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Wendy, what do so you So at have? the local level, um, Seth Magaziner, Jorge Lorza, Nelly Gorbea, just to name a few, are going to start sort of making more noises, start fundraising, start getting organized, I think, to run for governor in the Democratic primary. So we want to watch them at the local level for Providence. There's a bunch of people who might want to run. So I think that's who to watch. And at the national and the international level, I had Nikki Haley. But I also have Boris Johnson. And Boris Johnson has just been real, is being reelected as prime minister of England. And they're going to go ahead with Brexit. They're going to break off from the European Union. How he handles that and what happens to the British economy will affect what happens to the American economy. So if he succeeds, then that, that, that helps the world economy, and it probably helps Trump with his style, which is similar to Trump. But if he fails really miserably, he just won. But if he fails in policy implementation, that could give people a little bit more hesitation in supporting Trump for a second term. Okay. I just wanted to ask, I mean, if Brexit goes through, it isn't clear that it's going to be a boon to the English economy. No, in fact, the, the concern is that it's going to be a disaster for the English economy. So how this sort of man who sort of channels a Trump style actually has to govern in times that are difficult, let's see how that, how that goes and whether that gives people a little bit more hesitation about President Trump for a second term. Ian, who are you watching? My people to watch include Rodan's two congressmen, David Cicilline and Jim Langevin. As we know, Rodan's likely to lose one of its two congressional seats in 2022. The question is whether if that happens, do these guys move up the hierarchy in the House? Does one of them become a candidate for governor? I think they are unlikely to go head-to-head -head in a match, but they bear watching. And it's funny because they talk about 2022 as, it's, as if it's a million years away. One other person to watch, Gonzalo Cuervo, the chief of staff for Nelly Gorbea. He is running for mayor of Providence in 2022. 
He might not be the most glamorous candidate, but I think he knows a lot about the city. He worked for Angel Tavares. He's an interesting candidate for mayor of Providence next time out. Mr. Lehman, you get the last minute of the show. Okay. Uh, the people to watch, Angelica Infante Green, the new uh, commissioner of education overseeing the Providence school system and everything else. Uh, David Cicilline, for the reasons talked about, he's made a huge splash on the national scene with the impeachment. He's been very good on the hearings. Uh, Joe Shikarchi is also the deputy, rather the majority leader in the House. He's got a huge war chest, over a million dollars. Uh, he's there in case Nick Mattiello, for whatever reason, doesn't continue on as the House Speaker in the years ahead. And also an odd one. Colonel Jim Manny of the state police, he's, he inherited a lot of problems, and he seems to be resolute in fixing them. And he's got a big job ahead, but he's probably the guy who can do it. All right, folks, th uh, panel, thank you so much. Another great show, another great year. Thank you for joining us on Lively, Ian and Wendy and Maureen and Dave. Should we do it again next year? Let's do it. All yes. right, we'll have That's the videotape. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of twists and turns. A year from now, we'll have a new president. Who will that be? Oh, All right, okay. and a lot going on at the State House. You can always catch the very latest. We will have the full breakdown for you on Lively Experiment every week in 2020. We hope you have great holidays and join us back here in the first week in January as the Lively Experiment continues. Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by. For more than 30 years, a Lively Experiment has provided insight and analysis of important political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm John Hazen White Jr., and I'm proud to support this great program and Rhode Island PBS.